You're listening to Fox on the Wire. And welcome to a very special episode of Fox on the Wire. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different to what you're used to on this show. So, for those of you who know me, you know I love my music, I love playing music, I love to talk about music, and for every episode of Fox on the Wire, I've loved talking to uh, my guests on the show. But today, I actually want to talk about one of my favorite albums by one of my favourite bands, the Foo Fighters. So this sort of episode is something I aim to do a little bit more of in the future, in between talking with guests, but really take the opportunity to talk about some of my favourite albums and some of the biggest albums, most influential albums in popular music. So on this cold and rainy Saturday, let's dive into the first Foo Fighters album. Here we go. So after the death of Nirvana's Kurt Cobain, Dave Grohl pulled off one of the biggest second acts in rock history with the Foo Fighters. The then 25-year-old drummer released the first self-titled Foo Fighters album on July 4th, 1995, released by Capitol Records through Grohl's own label, Roswell. After Kurt Cobain's death, Grohl said, imagine being in one of the biggest bands in the world and then having it all end in an instant. Add to the fact you've just lost one of your closest friends and someone who was an immense talent. And that's the position that Dave found himself in after Kurt's death in 1994. Initially, Grohl retreated from music altogether, but it turned out that music was what eventually brought him out of the depression over the death of Kurt. Grohl explained, 
If you have someone that's close to you, a family member or someone that you love, and they disappear or pass away, imagine walking into their bedroom full of things every day. That's exactly how playing music felt to me, because that was my whole world. It was difficult to listen to music. I had to disconnect, and I couldn't imagine getting up there playing drums with someone and not thinking about Nirvana. I think about Nirvana every time I sit up to play the drums. It was great, and it, I had a lot of fun, and it was the best thing that ever happened in my life. But it's over, and you know, I mean, Nirvana. To to a lot of people, Nirvana was was this thing. I don't even know. To me, it was a band with two friends of mine. To other people, it was this important voice of this lost generation and to me it was just you know a couple people having a good time on stage listening to music after Kurt died because it was so emotional just hearing it I didn't want to hear it on the radio I didn't want to play it I didn't want to join another band and um, and then I, after a while I realized that it was the one thing that was going to help me get through everything so I started writing lyrics I started writing songs and I went and recorded this demo tape record company called and said hey we want to release your record I said but what that's a demo that's not a band so then I started to think wow maybe I will try this I've never been the singer of a band was it a tough transition from drummer to front absolutely mm. it took years man when I talk about it carries on reasons only It's no surprise that someone as talented as Dave Grohl and someone who's such a, a great drummer had plenty of offers thrown at him after Nirvana to come and join their band. One of them that he almost took up their offer on was Tom Petty. Dave Grohl and Nirvana will sit in for Lynch when the Heartbreakers appear on Saturday Night Live next month. Someone from my management calls and says, Hey, Tom Petty just called and uh, wants to know if you'll play drums with them on Saturday Night Live. What the fuck is he calling me for? He couldn't find a good drummer? I said, of course, I'll do it. No question, I'll do it. It was the first time that I'd really looked forward to playing the drums since Nirvana had ended.
was really excited to play both songs, but mostly Honeybee, because Honeybee's just such a rocker. It's like the kind of thing a bunch of 16-year-olds would play in the garage to get off. It's a good, it's killer. It's a barn burner. Dave said, as an American kid, Tom Petty was the guy you looked up to and wanted to be like because he was so cool. After playing with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers on Saturday Night Live, Tom Petty allegedly offered Grohl a permanent spot with the Heartbreakers, but Grohl turned him down so that he could focus on his own music. Dave booked six days at Robert Wang Studios, which was located right near his house, where he would record his favourite songs that he'd written in the past four or five years that no one had heard. He worked with producer Barrett Jones, with whom he had recorded a demo tape called Pocket Watch back in 1992. The idea was to have Grohl playing all the instruments on this album and release it under a name that would make people believe it was a band similar to Stuart Copeland's. Clark Kent. I started recording things by myself when I was 18 or 19, and um, then there was the challenge of songwriting and trying to not grow as a songwriter. But I was just experimenting, like, wow, I can make I can make a pop song, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, end, you know, and like, so it was just experimenting with that, and then experimenting with arrangements and. And you did that all by yourself? Yeah. 8-track, 4-track? First it was on 8-track. It was always on 8-track, until this record was the first time I really recorded on a 24-track. So, which is nice because it gave me freedom to... I always had insecurities about my voice, so I like had the freedom to make sure everything was okay and layering guitars and things like that. Sometimes I'm satisfied with what I've done, but I never really feel like... I've actually touched the true potential of what I can do. So I just keep on trying to do more and more and more. And I don't, I don't like to sort of sit back and think, wow, yeah, that's a great song. Yeah. That's a fucking great song. Because I sort of always hope, like, well, it's okay, but um, you could probably do better, that kind of thing. So where did Dave get the name Foo Fighters from? Well, the term Foo Fighter was used by Allied aircraft pilots in World War II to describe various UFOs or mysterious aerial phenomena seen in the skies over both the European and Pacific theatres of operations. Though Foo Fighter initially described the type of UFO reported and named by the US, the term was also commonly used to mean any UFO sighting from that period. From November 1944 onwards, witnesses often assumed that the Foo Fighters were secret weapons employed by the enemy. I think that UFOs are fascinating. I love the idea of uh, there being something else other than just planet Earth and the same people that you see every day. I think it's pretty naive of anyone to think that we are the only little tiny planet in a galaxy of billions and billions of suns and stars. We'll never know, will we? No, because they're keeping it from us. Why won't they let us know? Why won't they let us know? Later, Dave would go on to say, 
Had I actually considered this to be a career, I probably would have called it something else because it's the stupidest effing band name in the world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I played them tapes of stuff and there are a few songs that, that Kurt liked a lot and wanted to turn into Nirvana songs. But for some reason, they just never did. Um, the song Alone and Easy Target, that song, Kurt really liked that song a lot. And uh, he liked the chorus a lot. And I think he wanted to make the chorus into something and um and then there's a song called exhausted that apparently he actually never said to me but he liked the song a lot he just wanted to write his own lyrics to it and i think he he was afraid to ask me if we could do the song but with his lyrics which i would have said Shit, sure so as i mentioned this album was uh released on dave's own label Roswell Records which is an imprint of RCA Records. As you might have guessed it was named after the UFO incident that occurred in Roswell in New Mexico in 1947. Grohl chose the name because of his interest in UFOs. Also worth mentioning is the front cover of this album. So the cover art for this album was um, created by Grohl's then wife Jennifer Youngblood. It features a photo by Youngblood of a vintage XZ-38 disintegrator pistol as used by a sci-fi character, Buck Rogers. The use of the weapon on the front cover drew some criticism from reviewers who claimed it was in bad taste considering that uh, Kurt had taken his life with a firearm. Grohl shrugged it off, stating it was nothing more than a coincidence, as the cover reference was meant to follow the sci-fi theme of the band and the record company name. Visiting is pretty, visiting is good, seems that all they ever wanted was a brother. This Is A Call is the opening track for this album and what a killer track to open an album with. Dave said this song is a bit more uplifting than the other stuff that he'd written before, especially coming after Kurt's death. This song was like a renewal or a reawakening where I actually found joy in playing and writing this song. He said it's strange because when you're in that moment and you're in that period of loss and grief and mourning, it's like you pick up an instrument and it just spills out. Dave said it serves like an exorcism where it feels good before you're purging a lot of these feelings and then it's also like a bummer he said every time i pick up a pen or a guitar and i'd start writing something it was just depressing and after a while i'm like oh god is that all i've got and then this is a call is something that really just felt okay even a song like good grief i think that one might have come later That one was maybe after Kurt had passed away. I'm sure it was, at least the lyrics were. But that was meant to represent the joy of sadness in a way. Just feeling good about feeling bad.
a personal note for me, this album is one of my favourites because it was a big album in my youth and uh, growing up, getting into music and learning how to play music, this was one of those albums right in the middle of that period. So I was about probably 13 years old and uh, my buddy Jared and I, you know, we were into Silverchair and Nirvana and all that sort of stuff in the mid-90s. And uh, one day I went over to my buddy Jared's house and um, he's got this new album by the Foo Fighters. And he also had the guitar tablature book. Do you remember those? And uh, he was telling me this is the, the new album by you know, the guy who was the drummer in Nirvana. And uh, all of a sudden he's playing guitar and he's singing. So that first Foo Fighters album, that's got a, a very special place in my, my upbringing, my history. Uh, as a music lover and a musician myself. And this is probably still my favourite Foo Fighters album. Maybe it's because it was my first. I just love how it's, it's hard hitting, it's fast, it's up tempo. You know, I love how Dave plays every instrument on this album. You know, when I picture the making of this album, I picture, you know, Dave coming out of this uh, really sad place, but it was music that dragged him out of it, as we've sort of covered in this episode already. Um, and it gave him something to focus on, and that's something I totally, totally relate to. And he just poured, you know, his entire energy into this six days or whatever it was in the studio to make this album. Seemingly he didn't have huge intentions for this album, but I think each track is a really, really great track. It's hard hitting and it's just straight up, you know, he's not trying to do too much with the songs. It's just a great rock album. It's a great album from, from start to finish. So yeah, I think I think this is still my favourite Foo Fighters album. Doesn't mean it's the best, or you know, it doesn't mean it's Dave's best work, but it's definitely got a, a special place in my heart and in my personal history. And uh, you know, the story behind it is amazing. You know, a guy who was a, a drummer in one of the biggest bands in the world that was cut short abruptly, and you know, what, what do you do from there? totally flipped and uh, became a guitarist and a singer. It's, it's pretty amazing. So he's a great musician. He's a jack of all trades. He can play anything. He's definitely one of the best musicians of our generation, hands down. You know, I never thought we would last more than two albums. The first album was a fluke. It wasn't meant to be a career. Right. It wasn't meant to be a band. I would have called it something else if it was meant to be a band. That was a joke, you know. If you knew this was going to be a career, what would you have named the band? Oh God, something other than Foo Fighters. <laughs> I swear. Do you, you know? believe it? That's great. I, I, don't, I don't know. And I called it Foo Fighters because I wanted people... I didn't want people to know it was me if they heard it. I wanted them to think it was a band. So I thought, okay, well, maybe if I pluralize it, it'll, it'll sound like, you know, the Ramones, yeah. a gang, a group of people. And now it's just like, oh, God... 15 years later. Thank you, Dave, for everything. You're an inspiration to us all. So for those of you, you know, listening to this who maybe haven't heard the first Foo Fighters album from back to front, please do yourself a favour and go and check it out. And hopefully this episode has provided you with some uh, some knowledge and some history of the, you know, the leading up to this album and how it all came about. 
it's a pretty amazing story. So thank you for listening. As I said, I hope, you know, we can do some more episodes like this in the future. I really enjoy talking about music, so I was sort of feeling my way through this and um, hopefully you've enjoyed it so far. Catch you guys again soon for another episode of Fox on the Wire. Thanks for listening. Cheers. people you know but i would i would dedicate it to chris and kurt because um still to this day you know the nirvana experience um is probably uh i mean i don't want to say you know i have children i can't say it's the most important event in my entire life but um it's safe to say that we wouldn't be here right now talking about this if it weren't for uh my time in nirvana and I had learned so many lessons from Kurt. I learned so many lessons from Chris. Um, it was such an honor to be in that band. Um, and it was so devastating when it ended. But, you know, we have that catalog of music that we made together. And, um, and that experience changed not only us, but a lot of the world that we lived in. So I think that, you know, that was probably my life's most formative period. I went from being like, you know, kind of a messy teen to then being in this band that was huge and then it all ending and trying to sort of kind of build life again with with the lessons that I'd learned through all of that at a really kind of young, I was 24 or 25 or something. So um, I would dedicate it to Chris and Kurt because... Um, you know, I owe so much to those guys for sure.